just continue to worship you this morning. We glorify your great name, King Jesus, Savior of the world. We thank you, God, that when we were worthless, you saw worth in us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, we thank you. We, we thank you for the opportunity this morning to join in with heaven and glorifying the great name of Jesus. What an awesome privilege it is. We thank you, God. May you be glorified today in everything we say and do. And Lord, we ask that today you would just open up our spiritual ears to hear, our spiritual understanding. Lord, we just come against anything that wants to bring distraction. We, we take the authority that is given to us by Jesus Christ over any evil that wants to continue to work and harass our people your people. And we just call upon your name today, Lord, asking that you would work mightily in us, each and every one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good to see you this morning. What an awesome day it's already been. The Lord has been blessing and uh, he's blessed us with your presence. Amen. You're, you're a blessing to see. Well, we are starting a new uh, series of sermons today in which we are going to be discussing the things that you need to know, not discussing, I'll be doing the talking. That's kind of how this works. <laughs> I'll be preaching on the things that you need to know about Jesus. Uh, he is my favorite topic, and uh, he is the reason that we're all here, amen? Uh, and then also, we can say that we believe in Jesus, but you need to know what do you believe about Jesus. And so we're going to be preaching for the next few weeks on some of the, the, the things that you need to know about Jesus. This first sermon uh, regarding something that you need to know about Jesus, it has been kind of punted around amongst some theologians. We would, I guess you'd call them that. Uh, and, and, the, and it's a controversial subject, but it really should not be. But the, the subject is, is it necessary to believe in the virgin birth of Jesus? And that's the question. And, and some would say, well, it's not necessary. You can, you can have salvation without believing in the virgin birth of Jesus. Well, I can just tell you this. Uh, if, he, if he wasn't born of a virgin, you wouldn't have salvation. So we're going to be talking about that today. And uh, there's one reason, uh, just a, a pretty good reason why I believe in the virgin birth of Jesus. And that's, I believe this book <laughs> and every word in it. And so uh, if you try and explain away this word, then you could try and explain that away as well. But but why would you? Why You don't have to understand everything to trust in the Lord. And so I'm just going to continue to believe that Jesus is who he said he is and who this word says he is. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Where theologians kind of some of the, I mean, like, again, I don't know if you'd call him a theologian. But where some scholars say that that we uh, that, that this that they base their argument off of this word in Isaiah chapter seven verse fourteen that the Hebrew original word for virgin could also refer to a young woman, and you know that they are correct. It could also refer to a young woman. However, it, 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 and remember, I said also because it can refer to a physical virgin or a young woman. But we interpret the Old Testament with the New Testament. And when I turn to Matthew chapter 1, 
verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together. Y'all know what that means, right? Y'all know what before they come together, you know, in, in a little bit, it's going to say in the book of Luke, she didn't know him. Well, she knew him, but not like that. So before they came together, before they had sex, is that clear enough? I mean, I don't, let's make it clear. She was found with child of the Holy Spirit. She was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now I need to kind of break down what's going on here. When the angel says, Mary, your wife, uh, just know that this is a betrothal. If you look in verse 18, it says they were betrothed. And now we don't do things like this here in America necessarily. We would have an engagement, but an engagement here basically means exchanging of ring, uh, uh, an engagement ring. And hey, if uh, this thing don't work out, you can send it to the pawn shop. That's kind of how that works here. But that's not how it worked in Jesus's day. In fact, this betrothal was the same as a binding agreement. It was a covenant of marriage. And this betrothal, the, the covenant has been made, the dowry has been, been set, the arrangements were uh, not yet fulfilled, and therefore it was a betrothal and not yet a full-blown marriage. The marriage would have a ceremony and a consummation in which there would be sex. But this is not there yet. So that's why when the angel says, your wife, don't get confused they're, they are covenanted together. It is a signed agreement. It is a betrothal. And yet they have not consummated the marriage. Everybody tracking with me? Y'all going to have to talk to me this morning. I know it's been spring break. Y'all been out playing and tarred. But here we are. We're in church. Y'all talk to me. Verse 20. But while the he, no, verse 21. And she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Amen. For he will save his people from their sins. Amen. Are you his people? I'm his people. Amen. Verse 22. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, guess what prophet? The prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 7, 4, the first one we quoted. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took to him his wife. Verse 25, in case you didn't get it clearly in the previous verse, you're gonna get it clearly in this one, and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now he knew her. But he didn't know her, know her. Y'all know what I'm talking about. He, he was in covenant agreement with her, but he did not know her physically. He did not know her physically. And it made, and Matthew wanted it to be so clear, he says it twice. He wanted it to be so clear that Mary was a virgin when she gave birth to Jesus. Is it important? Absolutely it's important. Why? Because it's in the Word and that's enough. However, why is it in the Word and why is it so important? It is so important because if Jesus were born by another man, 
an ordinary man, then he would have born with a sin nature just like you were born with. And just like I was born with. And yet he was not born by a man. He was born by God. And it tells us exactly how. It says he was born of the Holy Spirit. Now, yes, this is mind-boggling. Yes, it can be. When you're trying to figure out the details, I can't understand it. But I don't question it. I don't question. I, I might not understand how, but I don't have to know how because here's the, here's the God that I know. It's the God that stood in nothingness and spoke everything into existence. That's the God I know. So I want you to look with me in Luke chapter one. In Luke chapter one, and it says in Luke one, it, it's Luke's detail of this virgin birth, but I know that, uh, I want you to know that Luke was a scholarly man who sat down with Mary herself and took her account of this entire occasion. Luke chapter one, verse 26. Now in the sixth month of the angel Gabriel, now let me, let me back up. In the sixth month, it's the sixth month of Elizabeth. This was Mary's cousin. Elizabeth was now pregnant with who would be John the Baptist and she is now six months pregnant. And so we're kind of jumping right into the middle of the story just to get to the point. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man. Everybody catch that? To a what? Y'all can say that. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Guess what? Here it comes again. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now I need to kind of give you a little background on Mary. Mary was, uh, it's believed that she may have been 15 years old, very young teenager. She is in a, in a town called Nazareth. It's a village. It's not really a, a town. It's not a city, of course. But it is a, kind of the, the little country village out of the northern part of Israel around this Sea of Galilee region. Now, in this little country village named Nazareth, there weren't very many um, scholarly people there. There weren't any important people there. They're all down the area. It's the, where the temple is. It is the, the religious hub. It is the social hub. It is where everything happens around that temple. And so here's this little country girl, a little poor girl. And we know that she's poor because later on when they offer up an offering unto the Lord for the birth of Jesus, it's, a, it's just a bird. Meaning they couldn't afford a lamb. So we know this is a poor family, kind of in this little country village, and they're in, this, in, a, in a social situation in which the Roman government was, was uh, oppressing the Israelites. And so here you have just a lot of oppression all over. And this would describe why when Mary recognizes that she is now going to be the, the mother of the Messiah, she is just ecstatic with joy and she sings a song, we call it the Magnificant. And when Mary just begins and then starts in chapter one, verse 46, she begins singing a song of how the God, her God was going to bring salvation to her people and was gonna use her to do it. Amen? She's ecstatic over it. So now we're going to go back again to verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son 
and shall call his name Jesus. Jesus is an English word that comes from the Hebrew word Yeshua. Yeshua literally means salvation. So the angel tells Mary, you're going to have this boy and you're going to name him salvation. Amen. I, I, I love, we're going to be in Israel here in a couple months. And, and I love to get to worship with my Hebrew brothers and sisters and, and singing in Hebrew. And, and we sing that song that we just sang. I was, I was over here singing, what a wonderful name it is. The name Yeshua, Christ my King. Amen. Why? That name means salvation. He is going to be born of a virgin, the son of God, and he's going to bring salvation to mankind. Amen. What a powerful truth that his name means salvation. Verse 32, he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Now, Mary is fixing to ask a very good question because I, I want to, I, I kind of set this thing up to let you know in this little nothing village out on the outskirts of Israel, in this little poor household is this little teenage girl that an angel comes to and says, the savior of the world is going to come through you. Then he says, he will be a king forever. He will be a king forever. Now I'm going to, I'm going to back up to Isaiah. We, we looked at Isaiah seven first, but we're going to now look at Isaiah nine real quick. And Isaiah nine says this, uh, we're going to look at verse six for unto us, a child is born unto us. The son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder. What government Israel's government. No, because Israel rejected him. The government of God, the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Get excited now because this is good stuff. You're in this kingdom if you're a child of God. The government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom. Did you catch it? The angel keeps quoting scripture. He's quoting the prophet Isaiah and the angel tells Mary on his throne, he will, he will continue to serve and he will be king. All right, so I'm gonna go back now to verse 32 of Luke one. And he will be great and he'll be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? Since I have never known a man, I do not know a man. What does this mean? It means that the first person who struggled with the virgin birth was the virgin herself. <laughs> Can you, she's like, hey, I don't think that works that way. <laughs> she's like, how can this be since I've never known a man? Verse 35, and the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. I, I love to just take that verse of scripture and just start breaking it down phrase by phrase from the, what this angel is saying. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the what? Power of the who? Highest will overshadow you. Overshadow. 
I want you to remember that word overshadow because it is an important word. And, uh, and we're going to come back to it in just a second. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that holy one who is to be born with, to be born will be called the son of God. Now, Elizabeth, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative has also conceived a son in her old age. This is now the sixth month of her who was called barren. She was another impossible, but a little more possible <laughs> because even though she was old and, had, and childless, uh, she was still having relations with her husband. But here we have an impossible situation. But look what the angel says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Mary says, how in the world can I have a child? I do not know a man. I've not had sex with a man. And the angel says, nothing's impossible with God. Amen. Then I catch verse 38. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. She has the perfect appropriate response that every one of us should have when God speaks to us. Behold, the servant of the Lord, let it be to me as you have said. What do you want to do in my life, God? I want to do this in your life. Then let it be as, to me as you have said. I, I'm here to serve you, Lord. I want to do whatever it is that you've called me to do. I remember there in that little country church in Brownsboro, Rock Hill Baptist Church. I just was talking to some some Rock Hillians <laughs> just a few minutes ago. And I remember the invitation was played at the end of the church service and it was that song, I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord, over mountains or plains or sea. I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. I did not even ask my wife. I didn't, I didn't. The Lord had been working in me. I come down the aisle and I come to the pastor and I said, the Lord's called me into ministry. My answer was yes. My answer was yes. Just as Mary said, behold, the servant of the Lord, let it be to me as you have said. I want to do whatever you want to do in me. I want you to do whatever you want to do through me. I'm yours, Lord. Use me however you want me to be used. Maybe you're here today. Maybe the Lord's pulling at your heart. You don't know exactly what it is that he wants you to do, but, but you know, here's, here's the part that I left out in that little part of my testimony. I walked out and said, I think I'm supposed to be a missionary. <laughs> well, I ended up being a missionary, but I, I didn't have a clue what I was saying. I actually meant this. I want to follow Jesus. So whenever, wherever he leads, that's where I want to go. That's what I was saying. I didn't know what that would lead to. I didn't know where he was taking me, but I just knew that he's calling me and I'm going to say, yes, here I go, Lord. Maybe he's calling you to something greater, something better, something beyond what this world knows about, the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you've never been saved. God is calling you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I pray that you'd have the same response as Mary did. I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours, Lord. Well, I told you to remember a word, and that was the word over, overshadow. Verse 35, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. That word is used, that same word picture is used in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. So I'm going to go to the first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God 
was hovering over the face of the waters. So when before everything that we see, before it all existed, it was just a blob of nothingness in the middle of darkness. And it says the spirit of God began hovering over the waters, hovering over this mass of whatever this earth was. And then the spirit of God was started hovering over the water. It's the same word picture used where the spirit of God starts hovering over, overshadowing that young teenage girl, Mary. Can you believe in Genesis chapter one? Well, if you could believe in Genesis chapter one, you'll have no problem believing in Matthew chapter one or Luke chapter one. That the same God who created everything out of nothing can take that little girl and birth into her the son of God. Is it important that Jesus be born of a virgin? It's absolutely essential that he be born of a virgin because if not, he would be born of a man and man has a sin nature. Man has a sin nature. And if he were, if he were the child of a man, then he would have inherited that same sin nature. And if he had sin in him, then he could not be the sacrifice for you. You see, sin came into this world through a man. The man Adam was given direction by God, this very God that he was fellowshipping with. There was a, a tight union, a communion with the Lord. And Adam failed in his assignment and God's perfect plan for humanity was busted on behalf of a man. And so in Genesis chapter three, we, we know kind of how this goes down. In Genesis three, uh, God comes calling Adam and says, Adam, where are you? He was hiding from the Lord, the same thing you do when you get in trouble. And as he finally responded, by the way, God didn't know, God didn't need to know where Adam was. God's omniscient. He knew where he was. Adam needed to respond. This is where I'm at. Same for us. Same for us. God don't ever question where you're at. He needs you to know where you're at so that you can respond the servant of the Lord. I'm, I'm yours, Lord. So, so Adam, he starts passing the buck. Well, it's that woman you gave me. Yeah. Everybody ever say anything similar? Don't put your hands up, man. That'll get you in trouble. <laughs> it's the woman that you gave me. He passes the buck. Well, it's that serpent that deceived me. And uh, hear what the Lord says in verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Verse 15, is, this is the very important verse of scripture. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. I don't know if you notice anything about that verse of scripture, but it is the only time in all of the Bible that this phrase gets used. Seed of a woman. Why? Because women don't have seed. Seed is a reference to sperm and it is always used by men. And so when the, when the Lord says the seed of a woman, you automatically know there's going to be something very peculiar about this birth. There's going to be something very interesting about this birth. This is going to be a very unique birth. In fact, John 3.16, some of your translations in, in your Bibles will say that God gave his one unique son. 
course, I learned it in the King James growing up, for God gave his only begotten son, which begotten means born, but it is a very unique birth. The only kind ever has happened like this in which he is born the son of God. And, and so if it was, he was born of the seed of man, he would have been sinful. But the Bible says that he was born of a woman, the product of the Holy Spirit. And so when you see this Genesis 3 passage, it's like seed of a woman. Woman, no, that's not how this works. I wasn't real good in school, but I understand a little bit about biology. And that's not how it works, except when God comes into the picture. He did not want to get any confusion here that she was the product of a man. He is the son of God. Amen. Is this important? It is utterly important. It was by man that God's perfect plan was lost and sin came into the world. And it would have to be by man that it would be restored and salvation come to mankind. I want to look at Romans chapter 5. In Romans 5, it talks about this very one, Adam. In verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Here's one thing I know about you. Every one of you, every one of you have sinned. All have sinned. I'm sure of the glory of God. And because, and, and, and here's how I know you, you have, because you're a child of Adam. And every one of his children inherited his nature, the sin nature. This is why Jesus couldn't be a child of Adam. Because he would have inherited the sin nature. If you drop down to verse 18, it says, Therefore, as through one man's offense, Adam, judgment came to all men, because we all sin, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification. Amen. Because of Jesus, I am now justified. I used to be condemned. But then I put my faith and trust in the God man Jesus, and now I am justified. It's justified, never sinned. Praise God. Praise God. It is justified, never sinned. And now, therefore, Romans chapter 8, now, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Because I've been born again. I was born the first time with that sin nature. I was born as nothing but a human. But now I have been born again as a child of God. Amen. That gets me excited. For now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so just as sin entered into the world through a man, salvation had to enter through the world, into this world through a man. But it couldn't be just any man. It had to be the God man, Jesus. The one who was born of a virgin. Is it essential that Jesus had to be born of a virgin? If he were not born of a virgin, he would be sinful. If he were sinful, he could not bring atonement. If he could not bring atonement, you wouldn't be saved. And if you weren't saved, you would have no hope for heaven. Is it essential that Jesus was born of a virgin? Absolutely. Absolutely. How does this affect me? Well, it affects everything. Number one, because of this, now I am a child of God. Just as the spirit hovered over the waters, 
Just as the spirit hovered over that young teenage girl, the spirit of God has hovered over me, convincing me and convicting me and saving me and creating life where there was death. And the same for you, for all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. If you've only been born once, you'll die twice. A physical death and a spiritual death. Eternal judgment in hell. But if you've been born twice, you only will die once. If you've been born physical and then born again spiritual, you don't have to enter into a spiritual death. Jesus already entered into that spiritual death on our behalf, purchasing our salvation, gloriously rising from the dead, and now we have salvation through Jesus Christ, the God-man, born without sin nature, but died as a sinner so that us sinners might inherit his righteousness. Praise God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you that you so loved the world that you gave, for that's what love does, it gives. You so loved the world that you gave your only begotten son. The only one in all humanity who was born the son of God. And you gave him to us so that whosoever, and whosoever surely means me, whosoever will believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you for this awesome truth. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you so loved us that you went on our behalf. Thank you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.